0: Let's go to the Bible. If you found that, why don't you stand? We'll read together God's Word. Hebrews chapter 11. To get the full punch of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1, 2, and 3, you've got to back up one verse into Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. Remember that the chapters and the verses were given to us for convenience. They were not originally there. You pull them out, and sometimes you've got to start back in another chapter to get the full punch of what something is being said, what it means. We've got to back up a little bit. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, we'll come forward. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's begin verse 39. <clears throat> but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old... Receive their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Father in heaven, I pray that by the power of your Spirit to the glory of Jesus on the authority of your Word, Father, would you minister to the hearts of your children, men and women, that need healing and hope, that need strength and encouragement, that need to be drawn close. God, I'm asking you to work in your church. And Lord, I'm praying for for men and women that have walked into this church today, unclear on where they stand before you, by your spirit, through your word, would you draw, would you lovingly and kindly and overwhelmingly and irresistibly Draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May be seated. You have set your eyes on the most well-known chapter in the book of Hebrews. You can call it the Hall of Faith. You can call it the Christian Hall of Fame. You can call it a whole lot of names. There is a roll call of faith, you might call it. Here in chapter 11, we'll take at least six Sundays to get through it. Now, you could do more. You could take each one mentioned and and preach on that. But instead, we'll take six Sundays and get through this chapter. We do so because the preacher, remember, this is written by a preacher to his church. The preacher is putting example after example of men and women that lived faithful lives that lived professing their love for God even as their faith was tested. Tested to the extreme. And it seems like that would be really relevant for each one of us here because we live in a society that seems to be determined to smother our faith, your faith to death. It can feel like every single day is a test of our faith in the God of the Bible. Some of us in this room right now have people that we love dearly that have walked away, seemingly walked away from the faith. And in faith, We just keep going to God. Asking him to do something. Even that is a test of faith. And what we must never take our eyes off of is the object. Let's not worry so much about the strength of your faith. Let's worry about the object. What are you putting your faith in? The object of faith. Not the fact. Not the fact of faith. Every one of us here in some way or another has exercised faith today to one degree or another. Last night I went to bed. Sunday morning is the most important day in my week. And I set the alarm and I had faith that that alarm would go off. Actually, I didn't have that much faith. I set three alarms for Sundays. (laughs) All of us exercise. I sat out in my car today and put my key in the ignition and knew that when the electricity hit those spark plugs that it would fire up that beautiful V8 and have a symphony of noise. Had faith, that would happen. And it did. All of us here have faith. Faith is faith is not so much what we're talking about. It is what you've put your faith in. When Christianity is des- described as a religion of faith, what are we believing? We're believing and the God of the Bible who is holy and and a creator who created you in his image. We're believing that we are born having inherited a sinful nature from our parents, who got it from their parents, who got it from Adam and Eve all the way back. That mankind is born separated from God. We believe that God is also a loving God who gave us Jesus Christ, Jesus All God and all man lived perfectly, died on the cross to take the wrath of God away and give us his righteousness. God raised him from the dead in in a victorious declaration that anyone who believes and trusts, I'm asking you to trust that gospel. Anyone who repents and trusts can be saved. And do you? Do you trust? Do you trust God? And if so, how does that trusting God, how does trusting in the living God influence and and dictate how you approach all of the issues that are waiting on you outside of those doors tomorrow morning? Wake up and have to go to a job that's frustrating and people that you don't understand or maybe, maybe you're plagued with some sort of Loneliness, maybe you're in a marriage and still lonely. Maybe you have a wayward child and it is breaking your heart. Faith in the right object. Got to be careful and not say my faith is strong or weak. It's not the strength or the weakness of your faith. It's where, pla- where your faith is placed. Faith in the right object. That's going to that's gonna infuse your heart with real gospel hope. That's going to give you real gospel joy. That's going to make it so that you can walk through every bit of whatever it is that's waiting on you outside of those doors. Simple faith in the saving power of Jesus and His cross. That is the soft bed that we can sleep in and there's a whole lot of us sitting here that need some rest. And today what I want to do is get to chapter 11, back up one verse, into chapter 10, verse 39, and come forward and see the joy the joy in having faith in this good and living God. We're going to see that your tired faith, we're going to see what your tired faith does when it is in, you put your faith in the crucified, resurrected Jesus, and when you do, you can join the pantheon of believers that have lived really hard lives, but they made it because of faith. We might say it like this, faith in Christ if you'd like to write things down you can write this down faith in Christ is the ground of our joy faith in Christ that's where the power is faith in Christ is the ground of our joy but faith is not static it? it doesn't stay still faith lives and breathes it moves, it acts so then my question becomes what is faith doing right now what what's happening in your life right this moment if you have faith in Christ what does faith do I'll make it personal here's the first one number one faith feeds here's what faith does faith feeds my soul I say my because in the passage in verse 39 the writer has personalized it himself he does so with the personal pronoun we let me show you what it says Over and over again, he uses the pronoun we. Look, this is not just encouragement for somebody out there. This is good for my soul. This is us. We are facing the same hard world, and we're facing it with the same great God. Let's read it. Go with me there to verse 39. You read, look, you get more encouragement out of what the Bible says than what I say. You drink Drink, this is the Word of God for you. Look at it with me in verse 39. (laughs) We are not, do you see what we are not? We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Pause. There is not one thing that Satan and all the demons in hell can throw at you to destroy you. When you are in Christ, covered by the blood of Jesus, shielded by God the Father, there's nothing that can destroy you. When you're walking under the umbrella, the iron umbrella of God's grace and the pure love of a holy God, you will not be destroyed. Faith reminds us that we are not of those that are being destroyed. We are people... That are saved by grace, protected by grace, and held in affection by a loving God. Verse 39 is a wonderful, you know, Paul is a a preacher, he writes to these churches. Church at Corinth is a terrible church. Go read 1 Corinthians sometime. I I would preach through 1 Corinthians sometime, but it's so bad, and there are children in here, I hate to even read some of the things. Then he gets to 2 Corinthians, and here's what Paul says to that church. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Paul says, as Christians, we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Do you know Psalm 23? Psalm 23. A lot of you know it. You're familiar with the 23rd Psalm. You see it at funerals. probably have it on a bookmark. Maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't memorized it. You should memorize it this week. You should memorize the 23rd Psalm. We love it because it is uh, the Psalm of God as our shepherd. But sometimes we miss a beautiful line in the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is the part we like. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, 23, Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm being attacked on every side. I'm being slandered. There's a maelstrom of violence and hatred swirling around me, and you have set up a feast For me to come sit down in the middle of that storm. Look, when we take the Lord's Supper together, and we'll do it this month, when we take the Lord's Supper, we are reminded that our souls feast on Christ. That He is our nourishment and our joy and our celebration and our contentment. And because of that, because of Him, because of the cross, because of grace, verse 39, finish out the verse, verse 39, We are are of those, the end of the verse, who have faith and our souls are preserved. Our souls are kept. Our souls are nourished and strengthened because of faith and the grace of God found in Jesus. Look, if you feel like your faith has been beaten up this week and tested and stretched and torn, and most of us do, you go back to the Word of God and hear what Jesus says, that He is the bread of life. Hear what Jesus says in the last day of the great day of the feast. What did Jesus say? If any person is thirsty, you come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, right out of his inmost being will flow rivers of living water. You know what faith does? Faith, faith feeds my hungry soul. Spit out that junk. What have you been consuming? What is it? Spit it out. Come and feast on the goodness of God found in Jesus. Faith feeds my soul. That's one thing faith does. I'll show you something else. Come with me to chapter 11, verse 1. Here's the second thing faith does. Number two, faith makes me stable. Stable. When I live in a world, when I live in a world When I live in a world that can't tell right from wrong anymore. When I live in a world when we are in the middle of a recession and all the... Look, I know the gas prices are bad. Prices are bad everywhere. I think that people are just taking advantage of the fact that gas prices are up. Now we can charge more for everything. So when I live in a world, when a recession has hit, we can't tell right from wrong. When children raised in Christian homes are walking away from Christ when there are some in this generation, it's been a generational pray for this generation of students in this generation that are not sure of their gender And and our top medical professional can't tell me what a woman is it feels really unstable then i come here chapter 11 verse 1 i come here to this verse don't you love the bible don't you love verse 1 chapter 11 verse 1 the writer tells us now faith join me there faith is the assurance of things hoped for stop faith is Do you see that phrase if we were reading it in greek in the original language the verb is is on the front end of the sentence for emphasis that verb esten is is saying that that faith exists, that faith lives, that it is real, that faith is a way of life, that, that faith is a present reality, it's not just a virtue where I can say she's a woman of faith. No, faith is doing something. Faith is Christ. Faith, faith is the living, crucified, reigning Lord Jesus. Keep looking at the verse. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Why can I have hope? Look to the. Mar- Why can I have some sort of positive feel that tomorrow's going to be better? Why am I hoping? Why can I have hope for the future? Faith is the substance, your Bible might say. The assurance of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for. What does that mean? That word substance, it literally means to stand underneath. So faith has come up underneath you, given you something to stand on. It is a foundation. Faith is the essence of things hoped for. Faith makes it so that you get up tomorrow morning in the the midst of something terrible and you can actually have hope. Why? Because underneath your feet. Look, I can thrive today because my trust is in Christ who provides for the future. You know what I can do? <clears throat> I can go to God. So you can do this. You can go to your heavenly Father and offer up prayers, even if you, are, if you are so discouraged and so hurt, maybe depressed, you can offer up prayers with hope. I can ask God to save people that have walked away from the faith. I can do so hopefully because I'm standing on firm ground. You know what this is? Let's be careful. This is not, this is not uh, speaking something into existence. This is not manifesting. This is not, um, this is not karma. This is not you taking the prayer of Jabez and saying it 17 times and thinking you're going to get something. You know what this is? This is a stabilized trust. You have a trust in the one who loved me and died for me. This is you building your house on the rock that is Christ and not on the sinking sand, that is the culture. This 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 is Job. This is Job saying, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even if he slay me, I will still praise him. This is true Christianity. This is the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. This is what it means. When you have Jesus as Lord and you've given your life to Christ and he is your Lord, this is you living out the call that Christ is Lord. This is trusting the crucified, resurrected Jesus and building your life on the stable rock that is Christ. You know what faith is? Faith is, faith is something that feeds your soul. Second thing is faith... Faith makes us stable. It makes it so that you can walk through this world, ups and downs, terrible things and frustrations, and you're able to stand there. Let me give you something else. You may have already seen it right there in verse 1. Here's a third thing faith does. Faith moves us forward. Faith not only gives you something to stand on, we got that. See, the rest of verse 1, it is actually moving us forward. So let's read the whole verse, read read the whole verse this time, and let's then then take the back end of verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We talked about that. It is the conviction. It is the conviction of things not seen. Faith is convinced that the truth of God's Word and the power of God's promises are real. Now look, this is not just being settled on the foundation that is Christ. I've been thankful for uh, so, many, so many of you that have taken theology seriously. You're wanting to know more and you're, you're settling your beliefs. You're being strengthened in doctrine and in the days ahead. We're going to need it? That's one thing. We do need all of that. It's true. But good doctrine always, it always translates into devotion. It always takes us somewhere. This conviction that gave us its stability in the first part of verse 1, conviction now moves us moves us forward. It's one, point, one thing to have your faith settled in Christ. You certainly need that, but this, this phrase makes it one step. We take one step beyond that. This is showing us what it means to, to live Monday, tomorrow. At 10 a.m., when the worship service is it's worn off and you are in the middle of something you didn't want to be in and it's it's important for you to have now how do you live in that what is your faith in christ how is it informing what you're doing there as god has called you to live as a christian acts acts of used to be in evangelical christianity something popular eight or ten years ago i don't know if maybe it was five years ago maybe it's 15 you know you get to a certain age and all the years run together <clears throat> it used to be popular to have random, random acts of kindness. Random acts of kindness. So you go through a drive through and you're there getting your meal and pay for somebody behind you that you'll never meet, just a random act of kindness. And that became sort of something that Hallmarked Christianity. And it shouldn't be. We don't do random acts of kindness. We do intentional. Like there's a reason behind the kind acts we do. It's because of what Christ has done in us and then the call to serve. I had the clothes closet yesterday. I wrote up here to see how it was going. And uh, so many people, volunteers, all of our volunteers were here setting up closed closets to, to serve the community. That was not a random act. That was an intentional gospel-fueled, real act of kindness. How then, how do I live how do I live each moment? How I live each moment? How I interpret the world I'm in? How I interpret the bad things I'm going through? How I understand my place in the world? Maybe you should ask the question, "What? What are you? What are you doing here?" What I mean is, why are you here? Why do you exist? What's your purpose? This is where we This is where we need a catechism. You know, the Presbyterians got the Westminster Confession of Faith, and then they've got the larger catechism and the smaller catechism to go with it. We can just take what they're doing and baptize it. That's what we normally do, just baptize what they did. But you take their catechism, and the very first question is, what is the chief end of man? What is the purpose of man? It's answered two ways. The chief end of man, the purpose of man is to glorify God. It's one thing, glorify God, it's our purpose, and enjoy Him forever. I started thinking about that. What... What if those two phrases, just those two, glorify God, enjoy Him forever. What if those two phrases became the drivers for the next seven days of your life? From this Sunday to next Sunday, you were driven by these two phrases, I want to glorify God and I want to enjoy Him. What if your life and your behavior and your outlook and your attitude and the words you say and your actions. Let's let's turn it another way. I wonder what part of your life right now, what part of your life right this moment is not glorifying God? Maybe it's in your, maybe it's in your marriage if you're married. Maybe in your singleness you've resented that. Maybe, um, maybe it's your mouth. Maybe not the words you say. Maybe it's the tone. Possibly your attitude. Maybe your browser. If we were to go look at your browser. Maybe it's your spiritual laziness. Maybe, it's, maybe there's no real effort to the gospel. Or maybe you just complain. What if, what if right this second... I, I dare you to do this. You, you, you can do it while I'm talking. What if right this second... You asked God, God, I want you to get rid of everything in my life that does not glorify you. What if I ask God right now, I just prayed right now out loud for Hickory Grove Baptist Church, this congregation, me included, God remove everything from Hickory Grove that does not honor the name of Jesus. And what if he did it instantly? What would happen? When when you and I get convinced that my life exists to glorify God and for me to enjoy Him. What did Jesus say? If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better to go into heaven with one eye than to go into hell with both. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You know know what faith does? When you have faith, when, you, when you're Christian, faith gives me the courage to, to make the changes necessary and accept the results, to make the changes necessary in order for my life to actually glorify God and for me to find my contentment in Christ and Christ alone. What does faith do? Faith feeds your soul, feeds my soul. Faith makes me stable in a world that seems like it's gone crazy. Faith then moves me forward of convictions of the things I don't see. I'll give you a fourth thing. It's a beautiful verse. Verse 2 is, what does faith do? Faith actually pleases God. Faith pleases God. Do you see it in verse 2? I'm going to show it to you, verse 2. <clears throat> for by it, he's talking about faith, for by faith the people of old received their commendation, the people of old, that phrase, the presbyteros, the elders, who he's talking about are the people that he's going to mention in chapter 11, all of the Old Testament saints. And the Old Testament saints received commendation. That word commendation received testimony from God that they were accepted. Now, let's slow, let's slow down a bit here and think about what does it mean, faith, trust. Faith is trusting As Christian faith, Christian faith is trusting in the substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross in the place of sinners, namely me, and then his righteousness. So he takes my sin, gives me his righteousness. I am accepted by God because of the righteousness of Christ that he's given me. That's how I'm saved. We are saved by looking back on what Christ has done. Don't forget Old Testament saints, the people in the Old Testament that were not saved by works and us saved by grace, they were saved like we are. They looked forward, even if it were through a glass dimly, they looked forward to the coming one that he would be the redeemer, just like we look back to what Christ has done for us on the cross. God has always (laughs) saved his people by grace, through faith, in Jesus faith is not simply one way to please God it is the only way to please God it is faith that wins God's approval the great Puritan John Owen who wrote hundreds of pages on the book of Hebrews you can't wade through it all you read it sometimes and I don't even know what he's saying sometimes but now and then I come up on a good uh A good few phrases. And he asked some questions about faith. How do you know if your faith is actually pleasing to God? Here are a couple of ways. Here's the first one. Have you trusted in Christ alone for salvation? Have you put your faith not in your works, but put your faith in what Christ has done by living perfectly, dying on the cross, God raised him from the dead? Have you trusted that that and that alone has saved you? Do you, here's another question you might ask. Do you run to the cross of Jesus in the midst of terrible life experiences? Sometimes sometimes terrible things make us react in a different way we move away from God. Do the tragedies and the hurts and the pains drive you to the cross of Jesus? This is this next question got a hold of me. Do you rejoice, do you rejoice more in Christ than you worry about the state of the world? Do you rejoice, as a Christian, more in Christ, what he's done for you, than you worry about the world? Some of us need to just cut Fox News off. Just cut it off. It's ruining your mind because it's making you worry. And let's think about the goodness of God found in Jesus, what he has done for you and saved you from your sins. He sustained you and carried you through. He's blessed you and loved you and he's held you up through everything you've been through. Do you worry about the state of the world more than you rejoice? How about this one here for all of you that are uh, achievers? Do you rest in the righteousness of Jesus for your good enough? You are not, not going to gain the favor of God because you're being good. We, we, we are saved by grace and then out of that grace comes our obedience. We are not trying to get saved by being obedient. Our obedience is an act of admiration and love and thanksgiving to, what, to God for what he's done for us. Are you, here's another question, are you resolute about the future because Jesus is Lord like tomorrow when you wake up you wake up a lot of going back to school teachers going back to school things are picking up they'll do the same thing here at the church are are you resolute? Are you get up in the morning and you know what you got to face some of you don't have a job you hate and things are terrible but you're able to be resolute and even joyful because Jesus is Lord one last one I think this is where we're headed Are you willing to be hated? Are you willing to be hated by the world in order to be approved by God? Are you willing? We're going into a world that's going to hate, hate what the Bible teaches. Are you willing to be hated by the world in order to be approved by God? Two words, two words. Verse 2 tells us that it is by faith the presbyteros, were commended. They received their commendation. We are either commended by God or condemned by God. Every person here. And that difference is based on faith. One last thing about faith. I'll give it to you and we'll be done. Faith is the moral. Faith is my moral compass. Faith gives me the the worldview, the understanding of my surroundings and how I am to live at it. Let me me read verse 3 for us. Verse 3, by faith we understand, takes us all the way back, see, to Genesis chapter 1. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. He takes us back to the moment God spoke. The Latin is creatio ex nihilio, God created the universe, verse 3, out of nothing. That our existence is rooted in creation ordinances. That our morality is rooted in the creation ordinance. That, That it's not we as Christians trying to impose our morality on the rest of the world we find a whole lot of our morality all the way back in creation. That God created the universe, verse 3. You read Genesis chapter 1, you find out God created man and he created woman. He created humankind and he called them good as male and female. So that my morality is not subjective to the changing mores in a culture. My morality is rooted deep In Genesis chapter 1, that God spoke and it happened. For for our purposes here, the Christian life is rooted in the crucified, resurrected Jesus. The faith in that Jesus is rooted in a morality that goes all the way back to the very beginning. And our faith is governed by those creation ordinances. What does that mean? That means that, for instance... How we view other people, human dignity. Why do we offer respect to all humans? Because they're made in the image of God. Why do we stand against abortion? Because of the sanctity of life found in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3. Why do we understand maleness to be good and femaleness to be good? Human sexuality shown to us to be good in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Why do we understand the dependence we have on God or the, or the goodness of work? There's a shortage of those that want to work right now. Look, it's, wanting to work hard is not an old-fashioned value. It is a value that is rooted in Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden. Rejection, of, rejection hatred of evil. Why do we believe in the active sovereignty of God in all things, not that he created the world and the universe, and then backed up and took his hands off. We believe that he is actively involved in all of it. Why we believe in the fallenness, that man and women, that men and women are basically not good, but basically separated because of Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, the fall of mankind. Why do we have hope for the future? Because in the midst of the curses in Genesis chapter 3, all of that's found, by the way, the preachers say you go back to Genesis All that's found there is the gospel, the promise that there is one coming, that men and women are sinners separated from a loving God, but he sends a redeemer to save them. You see, our faith in Christ, and I want you to live with it, our faith in Christ is the ground of our joy. And today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Come and put your faith in Christ and receive the love of God and the joy for living. Amen. Would you join me as we pray? Let's pray together. With your heads bowed this morning, some of you have people you need to pray for. You thought of someone when I was preaching. You want to pray for that person. We're going to sing, and when we do, you just come down here to the altar and you just pray for them. Just, just lift them to the Lord. Others of you here were sitting and you were listening to this, and as you heard it, you, you realized that you actually are not converted. Like you were here this morning, people might even think you're a Christian, but today you've realized you've not put your faith in Christ. And when we sing today, I'm just going to invite you to come forward. Just come on down here to the front. Our pastors are here. I want to pray with you and talk to you about what does it mean to actually give your heart. What does it mean to receive Christ as Lord? So that you can walk out of here, and you can walk out of here with a faith in Christ that becomes the the very ground you stand on as joy. Father, thank you for the goodness of God you've given us in Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. And Father, by your spirit, I pray you would call people to yourself, to the joy of being a child of God, to the joy of forgiveness and restoration and wholeness, reconciliation and joy. Call people to yourself today. Find us faithful as we live this week glorifying you and enjoying you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand please as we sing together?